Welcome to the creative brain of Dean Hawk. Get ready to be challenged, inspired, and equipped to become a better ministry leader. Hey everyone, welcome to the Dean Hawk Leadership Podcast. This is Dean coming to you again with another insightful podcast to help you as you lead your church. And this month, I want to address what is in front of all of us, and that is leading your church through COVID-19. And what does that look like? And this month, I just want to share some insights and and shares. I realize that some of you may not have opened. Some of you have already reopened. Some of you might be considering uh, having to pull back or close down again. And and so I just want to want to share what I see and hear is going on, and then give you some insights as to our role as a church. Um, as far as for us here at Rock Family Church, we reopened the first Sunday of June, and. Uh, uh, to a limited response with the social distancing. And uh, we are seen as most churches are probably anywhere, I'm hearing most churches are seen anywhere from 25, maybe upwards to 50%. We here at Rock are probably averaging around 30 to 40% on any given Sunday. We have also seen what's interesting is, is um, whether it's due to summer, and I've talked to other pastors in our area, we're seeing our live stream numbers actually come down and are being reduced as well. And my hunch is, I think people are becoming um, disenchanted with the live stream because live stream is never going to replace being together in the same house, in the same place to worship, to pray, to feed on the word of God. I know on the very first Sunday that we gathered together and we had congregational worship once again, I literally wept as I realized how much I had missed that corporate anointing, that that coming together of the church to worship and the power that is experienced there, that, that when we come together, the power of unity, and it was just so refreshing. And I think that's one of the things we have to begin to challenge our people that aren't vulnerable, that aren't um, at, with a family member that is vulnerable, but they, I, I believe fear is our biggest challenge that we are facing in our community today, that people are afraid. And the media has, has spun this as uh, a, you know one of the worst pandemics ever. It's bad. Yes, people are sick and yes, people are dying. But as you'll hear in just a moment, um, there are things that have, of, of greater death and, and greater impact. So I believe we need to attack fear. And I believe the number one thing we can do as pastors, as, as leaders, with our staff, and encouraging our congregation is challenging them to pray. To pray against the principalities and powers and works of darkness and to um, just speak and release God's life, God's healing, God's, God's peace, God's protection over our city, over our county, over our states, and over our nation. Um, I wrote something, if you see me on, follow me on social media, on Facebook, I wrote something that I wanted to share that to me defined what it's like to be a shepherd in 2020. Let me just read it to you. Some sheep didn't understand why the church ever closed. Some sheep wondered why we waited to open. Some sheep thought we opened too soon. 
And some sheep won't come because everyone doesn't wear a mask. Some sheep won't come if they have to wear a mask. Some sheep believe this virus can wipe out our nation. And some sheep believe the reaction to this virus can wipe out our nation. Some sheep want to hug and high five and some sheep want to stay six feet apart. Some sheep want you to be more political and some sheep prefer you don't. Some sheep who are vulnerable can't attend services yet. And some sheep who are not vulnerable don't attend services yet. And some sheep <clears throat> and some sheep believe the government discriminates against the church. And some sheep believe the government is correct in limiting the church. Some sheep watch online. Some sheep attend service. Some sheep no longer watch online or attend service. Some sheep want the church doors closed to protect people. And some sheep want the church doors open to protect our freedoms. All sheep have an opinion and believe theirs is the most accurate the shepherd truly loves all his sheep, but it seems whichever way he leads, he's wrong. Welcome to the world of being a shepherd in 2020. Well, as we look at, at all that we're facing, if you face any of these things, you are normal. And the frustrations and feeling like there's not a right decision, there's not a best decision. And so we're, we're faced with those uh, situations. Here in Colorado, we have a mask mandate, as you are seeing in many other places across the country. And there are people that strongly oppose the mask and believe that everyone should have a mask. And, and uh, it's, it's become this divide. And, and we, just, we just continue to follow the standards and the guidelines that our government has established. We continue to say, um, please wear your mask. Um, when we're on the stage, we don't wear our mask. But when we're in the lobby and mingling with people, we have. And so uh, one of the things I want to address and one of the, the big questions I get in talking with pastors and, and responding to their texts and their phone calls and emails is this. Can we, should we reopen, should we defy the local or, or state mandates, guidelines, or laws that they have put out during this COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic concerning the numbers of people that can gather, whether churches can open their doors. As we see in California, they're being told that they are not allowed to sing. And where it's caused some trouble as pastors have been navigating with their church board, elders, deacons, or leadership is... Uh, the two scriptures of First uh, Peter uh, chapter 2 and Romans chapter 13. And so my goal is I just want to give you a little insight to maybe help you as you navigate these waters. I'll say up front, I'm not an attorney. I'm not offering legal, legal counsel for you and your church and whatever uh, opposition you're facing or challenges that you're facing with local or state uh, laws that have been implemented, what I'm trying to do is to coach you and offer a perspective of how I'm going to see and know and interpret the scriptures for my flock and for my church. First Peter 2.13 says, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It says, submit to all human authority. Romans 13 and verse 1 says, Everyone must submit 
to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. Well, in light of this COVID-19, the shutdowns, the restrictions on, sh- on churches, and, and worship is prohibited, and, and certain numbers are prohibited, how do these scriptures apply? Because if we just read them on a surface level, and, and we don't read them in context, and we don't understand the, the, the full implications there, it'd be easy to say, well, we just have to do what the government says. But when we go to scripture, we see some... Um, Um, opportunities, we see some insights that there is a time that if the government is implementing laws that go against the laws of God, that there is a time for a civil disobedience. There is a time to stand up against those government authorities. And so, As we look at it, I see that there's two ways the church can respond. The first one I'm not going to spend much time on, and that is when our constitutional rights are infringed upon. I'm not a constitutional attorney, but here's what I see and I know. The Constitution was written to protect the rights of American citizens and to maintain our freedom so that the government didn't overstep their bounds. The First Amendment protects Americans' rights to religious freedom. As a part of this, the U.S. government cannot establish a religion nor prevent the free exercise of religion. The First Amendment protects Americans' rights to the freedom of speech, press, assembly, and petition. And my comeback in this on a constitutional level is I believe that the government is overstepping and they are impacting our religious freedoms to worship God and telling us when we can worship and how we can worship. Yet what we see in many cities and many states across the nation is they freely uh, allow people to protest. Now, I'm not against the protest. What I'm against is that you allow these people to congregate, no social distancing, no mask wearing, and you allow them the freedom of speech and the freedom to gather, yet the government is coming back and saying, but you, the church, you don't have that same liberty and that same freedom. That, to me, is discrimination. When in in, uh, the state of Nevada, we just saw our Supreme Court justices rule against an injunction that a church was filing to, to be able to have more than 50 people. Casinos can have 50% of whatever their occupancy level is. Churches are mandated to stay at 50 people or less. I believe that is a direct discrimination against the church. I can gamble, and somebody says, well, their, their facilities are larger. Yes, 50% of a small auditorium might be 50 people or it might be less. But if you have a large auditorium that seats 1,000 people, uh, then it would be easy to social distance and have a much larger crowd than 50. What I want to do is to talk about the biblical response to help you navigate these scriptures and to help you navigate them with your church leadership. 
I believe there is often an overlap between submission and obedience. They are not the same thing. And here's the way I would say it. You can obey without submitting, and you can submit without obeying. I'm going to say that again. You can obey without submitting. It's Remember the, the, the cartoon the little boy is put in the corner and in timeout, and he's he's the picture shows him sitting in the corner, but the little caption above his head, he said, but on the inside, I'm standing. What was he doing? He, was re- he wasn't submitting. He was actually rebelling, even though he was obeying. Submission is about placing ourselves under someone's authority and oversight. It's not merely about the action, but about our attitude and relationship to them. Submission says, you're in charge, I'm not, and I will honor and I will respect your judgment. And I believe it is important that we as church leaders, we as believers and followers of Christ, honor and respect all those that are in authority that I, I don't side, wh- whether you're Republican or Democrat or, or Tea Party or Independent, wherever you're at, I don't side in the, the putting down, the belittling of people. I believe whatever office they hold, we are to honor and to respect them. But where we see a, a, a disobedience come to the government, one of our best examples is throughout the book of Daniel. They were told, the Hebrew children were told to eat certain foods. They came and they said, we would prefer not to. They didn't start a rebellion. They didn't start a riot. They said, we would prefer not to eat these foods. And the man that was over them said, hey, I'm going to give you a few days. I'm going to check your countenance. And, and so they quietly rebelled. I believe they disobeyed while still submitting to the leadership that was there. Then we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they chose that they were not going to bow down and worship the 90-foot idol that had been resurrected by King Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't try and rally others. They didn't start a petition on why it was wrong. They didn't riot and and rebel and and try and knock the idol over or deface the, the idol with spray paint. Uh, They didn't coerce others not to bow. They quietly held to their firm beliefs, I believe, with honor and respect. Then we see in Daniel chapter 6 that the, the the, the king's officials had a decree written. They were trying to capture Daniel that no one should pray to anyone else other than to the king. Daniel did had the same response. I believe he was submitted to the king in honor and respect to the king and his office, and he quietly disobeyed. He didn't try and pull others to disobey. He didn't try and make it a, a nationwide shift. He said, I'm going to hold to my core values and my core beliefs, and it says he went to his house, opened his windows, and he prayed as he always had. And I believe that's the approach that even in our disobedience, we can still offer up that submission to authority. The word rebel or resisting, depending on your translation in Romans 13, 2, that says, so anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against God. That Greek word means to arrange yourself in battle against someone. It means to defiantly and even violently 
oppose someone. I would say that's what we're seeing happen in Seattle, in Portland, and some of these cities where there is a violent, um, defiant uh, rebellion that is happening. And But being subject to the governing authority means not rebelling and not resisting to them. It means honoring them, as we saw in 1 Peter chapter 2. And it may mean obeying them, but not if they are telling us to do something that goes against our belief system or would be sin. In Acts chapter 4 and 5, we see Peter and John are arrested for healing the man at the gate beautiful. And in Acts chapter 5, it says, uh, we gave you, verse 28, we gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. And Peter responded in verse 29 and replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. So there is a time when the government oversteps their bounds and tries to inhibit, limit, or stop the church, stop the move of God, and inhibit us proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. In a letter from a Birmingham jail, Dr. Martin Luther King wrote these words. He said, one has not only a legal, but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. He agreed with St. Augustine, who claimed that an unjust law is no law at all. John R. W. Stott was, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his last name, I believe, believe it's Stott, was one of the most respected evangelical theologians of the 20th century. And in his commentary on Romans 13, he said this, we are to submit right up to the point where obedience to the state would entail disobedience to God. But if the state commands what God forbids or forbids what God commands, then our plain Christian duty is to resist, not to submit, to disobey the state in order to obey God. Whenever the civil government forbids the practice of things that God has commanded us to do or tells us to do, things he has commanded us not to do, then we are on solid ground in disobeying the government and resisting against it. And so how do we resist? Well, if you're reading Romans 13, I believe it's not in most Bibles attached to the first uh, seven verses, but I believe verse eight is key. Verse eight says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. I believe we resist in honor, in respect, and most of all, in love. We're not going to degrade our governor, our city, or county officials. We are going to quietly stand on the promises and stand on our belief system. Now, you say, how do you assess that? Um, here's where I go. The, the Greek word that is commonly used throughout the New Testament, the book of Acts, is uh, the Greek word ekklesia. Ekklesia is the Greek word that is for represents, and you look at the definition is, a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into a public place into an assembly. 
It's the called out ones. And it's an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. It's a congregation. And in Hebrews 10.25, it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that we see the day is returning. And what I'm saying is the true church, the true definition of church is not live stream. The true definition of church is not a Zoom meeting. Uh, those can be effective in reaching some, but they are not an adequate substitute for the called out from our homes to gather together. The true power and the true strength of church is believers, hands and feet and knees and elbows, the body of Christ coming together in harmony and unity to pray, to worship, to hear the teaching of God's word, to grow, to fellowship, to encourage, and to motivate one another in their walk with Christ. And so I believe that we, the church, we as leaders of the church, have to call out and call our people to come together. At this point in age and stage of time, they are not going to all come. But I believe it is impossible to live out the mandate of Jesus Christ without physically gathering. That corporate worship has been a foundation of the church for the past 2,000 years. And I don't know about your community and your state, but here from the beginning of the lockdown in March, liquor stores, pot shops, grocery stores were all allowed to remain open. And here is a statistic. 88,000 people die per year from alcohol-related issues. Yes, we've just passed over the 100 and uh, we're in uh, time of this recording. We are in the 150 some odd thousand deaths due to COVID-19 here in our United States of America. That is sad and that is frustrating. But what grieves me more is how many of those people, of those 150, 160,000 people that died because of COVID are spending eternity in hell because the church closed and they did not hear the good news and the message of Jesus Christ. So when we see alcohol kills, tobacco kills worldwide, 7 million people per year. Cigarette smoking kills per year, in the United States of America, 480,000 deaths average per year. That's 1,300 deaths per day due to tobacco and cigarette smoking. But we're not shutting down churches because of that. We're not stopping society of that. Those are, are absolute horrible deaths, just as horrible statistics as our COVID numbers. But the government is not hindering the church due to alcohol deaths, tobacco deaths, suicide deaths, cancer deaths. And so I believe it's a time for us as a church to respond and to quietly continue what we're doing, not making a big splash, but saying we are going to conduct our services. All are welcome. We're going to abide. If you want us to wear masks, you want us to be six feet apart, you want us to be social distance, we're going to do that. We're going to submit to that, but we're not going to close our doors. And so that is the heart of where I'm coming from. Can you tell I'm just a tad passionate about it? But here's what I would challenge each one of you. You have to make a decision based upon your conscience and where you are at. 
Do not let me influence you. Do not let other people influence you to do something that goes against your conscience. I'm telling you to pray, to seek God. But the biggest thing I'm challenging you is do not let fear navigate your decision. Fear is never a a, a just uh, uh, cause to make a decision. We make decisions based upon the wisdom that God has given us. We make decisions based upon the faith that is in our heart. And we make decisions upon the knowledge of the facts as they are presented. I would tell you to follow your heart and make a God-based decision. Meet with your leaders and the multitude of counselors there is safety. Get your leadership team together. Pray. Draw them in. Get your lead team together and pray. And if God challenges you to open your doors wider than the 50 or the 100 that your government says it is there, you don't need to scream it from the mountaintops. Just let the people come in. What we have found here in Colorado is we are under a mandate um, of 175 people interior. I think it was 150, 175 people with our social distancing in our 650, 700 seat auditorium we're, and, and the number of people that are coming. We're not passing that much in any of our services, but we're not standing at the door and going, hey, you're number 176. We can't allow you in. And so we are basically we're allowing our people to come. But I would I would challenge you as a pastor, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray. Prayer is going to see us through this. So God bless you guys. Hope this helps. I look forward to sharing with you next month. And uh, uh, we've got some good stuff coming to you. Check out DeanHawk.com for our latest sermons and sermon series that are available for free and will help you minister and uh, impact your city and your congregation. Thank you for joining us today. For a free sermon series and teaching outlines by Pastor Dean, visit us at DeanHawk.com. Be sure and join us next month as we continue our growth on leadership.